Hello and thanks for listening to RT Radio 1's The Rolling Wave podcast with me, Aoife Nick In this episode, the music of Joe Burke. Last night's fun and The Traveller, played by Joe Burke and Charlie Lennon there from their album The Morning Mist. Well, it's just a month now since accordion player Joe Burke died on the 20th of February. And so this week and next, we'll be listening to his music and talking to those who knew him and played with him over the years. On tonight's programme, though, we're going to give Joe himself the stage and hear from him in his own words and music. This next track is from a much earlier album, Joe and Charlie Lennon made together. It was released in 1973 and it was simply called Traditional Music of Ireland. And so now here they are with the College Groves and the Flogging Reel. College Groves and the Flogging Reel from the album Traditional Music of Ireland, which Joe Burke and Charlie Lennon released in 1973. And of course, Joe Burke and Charlie Lennon continued to play and record together many times after that. Joe Burke was born in 1939 in Kilnadima, just outside Loch Ray, and his introduction to traditional music came very early. Even if the full potential of his chosen instrument took a while to unveil itself, as he explained here to Jackie Small on the long note in 1989. I go from uh, Kilnadima, which is a parish just outside the lake of Loch Ray there. And it... In your young days, there was a good musical tradition there, was there? There was. Uh, there wasn't a lot of uh, musicians uh, in the Kilnadima parish, except for my own family and a few more people that played the melodians. Uh, Paddy Scully he played the melodian, and Martin Honey played the fiddle. And after that, then, there was my own mother and uncle, Pat Burke, and... That's uh, mainly the, the extent of it at that time there. Oh, what did you? What did your mother play, John? She played the melodion. Yeah, she was good. And Pat Burke? He played the melodion too. <laughs> he was great. He had a lot of tunes, and I learned a good few tunes from him. How did you start playing yourself? Well, when I was about four years old, and I was listening to uh, some old records, you know, and I had a great interest in in the music and uh, Pat, my uncle, then decided it was about time I learned to play a tune, so he took down the melodion one night and he said, here goes, it's about time you learned to play something. And he taught me a bit of a tune. What was the first tune you learned? <laughs> it was an old march called Let Aaron Remember. <laughs> 
And he showed me the first uh, few notes of it, you know. And uh, I got it fairly quick. And uh, the next evening he came in, I had the second part of it on my own. <laughs> and he got a little bit surprised, you know. <laughs> so that was uh, a tinky, a simple tinky melody yeah. to start it off on. Well, it had two rows in it. But we, we only uh, used one row at the time. We thought at that time that the second row was a spare so that if a reed went on the outside row, you could play the, the, the inside one then, you know, that it was a kind of a, a backup in case of a, an emergency, you know. <laughs> so how did you come on the opinion that the other row wasn't a spare? Well, <clears throat> we used to have a, a haggard out the, out the side of the house, and uh, there was a great uh, competition amongst people that had uh, traction machines for to uh, do the traction. And they used to go around uh, canvassing. So one night, these two lads knocked at the door because they saw the stacks of corn out in the haggard, and they uh, knocked on the door and they were uh, looking for the job of trashing the corn. And my father invited them in. And uh, as it was, made a cup of tea for them. And one of them noticed a melodeon under the table as it used to be. And he said, uh, who plays the melodeon in this house? And my uncle pointed to me. And so I played a tune for him, I think. And then my uncle said to him, he said, do you play yourself? <clears throat> and he said, I do, a little bit. And I gave him the melodeon, and he started. And to our amazement, he started using the two rows. And it sounded absolutely great. And that was uh, Martin Grace, the accordion player, very well known at the time, but we didn't know who he was, and he was, he was um, going around with a fashion mill. And uh, God, he played all night for me then, and they got the job of fashion without any doubt. So a couple of days later, when they were to come then to do the fashion, uh, I was at school. And I remember trying to rush home to meet him again, you know. And it so happened that day came wet. And they couldn't do the job. And <clears throat> when I got back from school, all the people that came to do the trashing were in the house. And Martin was playing the melodeon all day long for them. And he, uh, he came down several times after that. And he taught me how to use the two rows in the accordion. So that's how that came about. <laughs> what age were you about at that stage, sir? At that stage, I was about 10 or 11, I think. Uh, and uh, I was very impressed with Martin Grace, and he was, he was, uh, he had great music, you know, and he, he used to play with the band, the Kill band at the time, and he played a lot of tunes suitable for the flutes and fiddles. And that's where the two rows, of course, came in. Thank you. 
Then I used to go to uh, the Downies of Leithrow Cross. Uh, Jack Downey and Mick and Morris. And there were three brothers living together. And uh, Jack's son, Padden, became a great friend of mine. And we spent a lot of time in that house learning music and tunes. And uh, Jack taught me a, a lot of uh, old jigs and reels. And he was, he had a lot of them. He had nearly, he had nearly all of it, you know, I would say. Of course, Joe Cooley <clears throat> was uh, not too far away, and he, he was a, a big influence on the music, sort of in the west part of Galway, you know, out of south, south Galway. And uh, he was, uh, of course, a powerful musician. When I started going out, we formed a, a band in Leitrim called the Leitrim Cayley Band. But, you know, there was about ten Cayley Bands in East Galway at that time. And the Arkham Slopes, of course, was a, a great band. For, they were the, one of the first of the old Cayley Bands since the 30s, I think, that were there. And, of course, the the the, the main main figures in the Arkham Slopes was uh, <laughs> Paddy Fay and Paddy Kelly. And Joe Mills, of course, so Joe has gone to America. And uh, we used to all meet, of course, at sessions, and we used to meet the Ockram Slopes lads uh, all over the place. And uh, Paddy Carty was with the Ockram Slopes, and then he joined our band. And uh, um, we used to meet in pubs at that time and play music all night. And sometimes we used to go down to Paddy Fahey's house in Killebeg, Killebeg House. And there was a great room there for music. They, Paddy used to like the acoustics of the room. There was a big piano and it's a big room. And that's where Paddy would play his best music, I think. And uh, we spent a lot of nights down there and a lot of times, good times. And himself and Paddy Carty used to get together with the fiddle and flute and that was, that was great music. They, they, they used to play great together. There is something special about East Galway music, Joe, isn't there? Oh, there is. There is. There's a, it, it has a lovely, a lovely uh, kind of a, an easy-going, relaxed kind of a, a, a way about it. And I think the greatest uh, exponents, of course, was, was Paddy Kelly and Paddy Fay. And then, of course, the Ben McKill people for the flute music. Oh, that's, that was Eddie Maloney and Jack Cochran and uh, old Steve Maloney. And then there was Tommy Whelan, but I never met uh, Tommy Whelan. He was dead before my time. And uh, they say he was great. And uh, when they would tell you in Bandekill that uh, that man was uh, a good flute player, he would, he would, you could bet your life he was good. He had to be good. <laughs> Thank you.
Ochin Glan Neffen from the album Joe Burke made with Maureeny Khasi. And uh, that was Joe playing on the flute there. Not many people maybe would associate Joe Burke with the flute, but that was him on the flute. And I think he could definitely merit being called one of those good flute players he was talking about. Well, one of Joe Burke's early musical partnerships with, was with fiddle player Aggie White who was in the Balnakil Cayley band he just mentioned there and they won the All-Ireland Duet competition together in 1962 and here they are now playing two tunes The Road to Sky and The Nightingale <laughs> Work with Aggie White on fiddle from the recently released album Aggie White, a double album, Aggie White. Joe Burke's recording career spanned nearly all the recording formats. Uh, he recorded onto CD, LP, cassette, but he was also one of the last traditional musicians to record a 78 record, which he did for Gwailin in the late 1950s, and uh, which he told Jackie Small about here. Oh, no, uh, the, the first time I ever uh, made any <laughs> recordings, I think, was in the Fugailin. They were putting out a series of uh, 78 records at the time. And they had uh, Sean Ryan and Tommy Rick and uh, Sean McDonough and uh, Paddy Kenny. So they recorded me. And I, I think they put out two seventy-eights, and I was very young at the time, and uh, about eighteen, I think. And we recorded it in uh, Peter Hunt's studio, and uh, Sean Ariba was uh, was there to help me out. He was uh, more or less uh, an advisor in the studio, but I needed, as the record turned out. Uh, uh, from what I think of them now anyway, I I needed a lot more advice than he was able to give me. <laughs> as recorded by Gwailin onto a 78 uh, in the late 50s. And that track and um, another track recorded by Joe, as well as lots more music of the 78s, is available on that uh, CD, Sholti Shaita. And uh, that's a lovely collection of music too. In the early 1960s, Joe Burke went to America for the first time. It was his first tour in America, a place which played a big role in his life later on. But here he explains how that trip initially came about. It was either 1960 uh, or 61. And uh, I think it was 61. I went out with uh, Sean O'Shea, who used to run tours and bring out people that time and do uh, concert tours of America. 
And uh, uh, I was about 20 at the time. And it was a big thing to get a trip to America at that time. And especially to go around on a tour. With, I think we traveled uh, around to about 16 different cities. And I met a lot of people and musicians. And, and um, it was uh, just a, 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 probably the most memorable tour I was ever on because it was the first. And when you went to America first, what players was the Sligo style led by at that time? Andy McGann and Martin Wynn and Larry O'Byrne. I met Andy the first time I went to America and uh, we started playing together a lot. And we played for years and years and years. And I, I thought it was a great playing with Andy McGann. He, his music was a came from, uh, of course, he was taught by Coleman. And his music came from mainly the Sligo tradition of fiddle playing, or the Sligo school of fiddle playing, which was the most uh, prominent in, in, in New York or in America. So I got very interested in that, and I met other great fiddle players, uh, Leonard Burden and Catherine Brennan, and, uh, Paddy Killorn, and... Uh, Patsy Sweeney, oh, a, lot, a lot of them in New York at that time, Larry Redigan also. So I, I had a great, uh, a great lot of uh, interesting people to listen to, you know. So uh, I'd say I, I'm, I'm very influenced by their music. In 1965, Joe Burke's friendship with American fiddle player Andy McGann and their joint admiration for the music of Michael Coleman culminated in an album they made with Felix Dolan on piano called Tribute to Michael Coleman. Andy and I made a recording in 19, um, I think it was 1965, an LP in New York. And uh, we were happy with that. It was a kind of a nice old record. And we had uh, Felix Dolan playing the piano with us. And we recorded it in a Broadway in New York, a very posh uh, studio at the time. And... Uh, Mind you, a lot of people liked it. They, they tell me it uh, sold fairly well. <laughs> Thank you. 
Andy McGann, Felix Stolen and Joe Burke there with the look, Penny and the Pipe on the Hob from their album Tribute to Michael Coleman. Those early years in the States were formative for Joe Burke in terms of the people he met and also the music he played. But not everything was as easy as you might imagine. The, um, the American players played in a different tuning from the one that you played, didn't mm-hmm. they? they? They did. They played, they played uh, I'll tell you the truth, I don't know what it was. But I know it was very uh, strange to me and I couldn't, uh, if I had to play on one of their recordings, I, I might as well be playing a, a Jordan. <laughs> Joe Burke on grappling with American tunings on the box. Well, Felix Dolan, Andy McGann and Joe Burke made another CD together a few years later called The Funny Reel. And then after Andy McGann died, Felix and Joe partnered with another American fiddle player, Brian Conway. And they they released an album together, which they then called A Tribute to Andy McGann. And that was in 2007. And from that album now, here is Malloy's Jig and the Humours of Castle Lions. The 1970s were very busy years for Joe Burke in terms of recording and touring. He made a solo album called Galway's Own in 1971 and he also released an album with Belfast fiddle player Sean Maguire which they called Two Champions. And that was a record that was made extremely efficiently, well by today's standards anyway. We played a lot around uh, Ireland. And around Scotland, and we went up to the Shetlands, and we used to have a great time. And uh, we made—I think we must have made—it um, must be a record. Mm, record. We're talking about records, but <laughs> I was—I uh, was trying to tell you that the record we made together was done in a studio in Belfast, in Bank Street, and. We, the amount of effort we put into it uh, consisted of getting up in the morning in Lisburn, where Sean lived at the time, and we had breakfast. And we sat down, and Josie Hagan, she played the piano with us. Well, she got a notebook, and we uh, thought of a list of tunes. Now, we didn't play them or rehearse them, but she wrote down a list of tunes that we could play, and we were going into the studio. At one o'clock, we got in there about three, and uh, we sat down, and we did that record uh, in an hour and a half. (laughs) (laughs) We never had a... There was one tune on that that I never played before, (laughs) until that very day. (laughs) (laughs) We, We were out of the studio, anyway, in an hour and a half. It seems we were very busy at the time. We hadn't too much time to be spending in studios or places like that. We had other commitments down the road. (laughs) 
In 2005, when Sean Maguire died, Joe Burke took part in a special Cayley House in Sean Maguire's honour. And he talked to Kieran Hanrahan about their friendship. And listening to him, you can only imagine the fun they had together. Uh, he had a tremendous uh, sense of adventure and, and uh, in his music, as well as in his personality. He was full of tricks, really. He, could, he, would, he enjoyed very much playing tricks on people and... He enjoyed very much watching people's reaction and interaction to his music and especially when he would do something spontaneous and outrageous that possibly he didn't understand himself. He would watch people's reaction and he would do it the next time but different again. So to define him and to try to describe him is uh, very difficult but he had a great sense of humour and one of the things I enjoyed about him was his sense of humour and, and all the fun that you could have travelling with him. And uh, he, he was a great storyteller. And he had great stories. as just He had great stories like he had great tunes. And he was able to tell the story, just like he was able to play the tune and express the tune. Uh, if you want, um, I'll just tell you one of the quick stories I thought of. Uh, and he had a, he could go into a, a, a thing to do with language, and he could go into some slang language once in a while. For instance, if he wanted to say he referred one time, and he told me this story about that uh, related to uh, that terrible affliction called dandruff, and he called it dandrum. <laughs> and he talked about when he was a kid, he had a friend, his name was McNabb, from somewhere around the Falls Road or Dunmore Street. And they palled around together. And one day they were in the city centre of Belfast. And they met this man, a, a, a kind of a peddler, who was selling uh, some kind of liquid in bottles that would, he promised, would clear the dandrum, <laughs> would be good for dandrum and would cure it. And they, Sean bought a bottle of the stuff, and so did McNabb. They were both about the same age, 16 or 17 years old. And McNabb was an apprentice butcher on the Falls Road. So they brought home their two bottles, and Mac, uh, Sean McGuire went home. But clever enough, before he tried the, 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 the concoction, <laughs> he called in the dog. <laughs> And he poured a little drop of the stuff. Of the salvation. Uh, 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 yeah, the salvation. He, he, it mightn't even be his own dog, I don't know, but he, he poured a little drop of, of the stuff in a quarter inch on the dog's back. And, and he let the dog, he, he left it there for a little while and then called back the dog and rubbed the spot where he had poured the concoction and all the hair came off that square <laughs> inch. So he knew then it mightn't be a good idea to use it. But he began to think overnight how McNabb had got on with this stuff. <laughs> and he says, next morning, he says, I couldn't wait to meet him. And I walked up the Falls Road and I went into the butcher shop. I wanted to see how McNabb got on with his bottle. And he says, I went into the butcher shop and there was McNabb behind the counter, he said. And he had his cap on. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Burke there on Sean Maguire. And I don't think Sean was the only one of the two able to tell a good story. But before we leave this duo, there was one more question. Did you make many recordings? 
No, just that one album. But we did make another later on. And unfortunately, and I, to this day, I'm, I, I regretted that the master tape got lost in America and we never, never, it never came out. And, but we, we made another one about three or four years later after that. And wouldn't it be nice now to find that missing master tape? Well, in another edition of The Long Note a couple of years later in 1991, they broadcast a concert Joe Burke did in Drum Shambo at the Joe Mooney Summer School. And here now is a short excerpt from that. Thanks very much. Uh, we'll play a couple of reels now, I suppose. Uh, there's a tune I always like is Spike Island Lassies and, and I'm in County Leitrim now in Drumshambo and it's a very peaceful and nice place and uh, I'm only here for the last couple of days but next Saturday or Sunday I'll be leaving and I'll be saying uh, goodbye to County Leitrim so the name of the tune is Farewell to Leitrim that's the name of the second one but it's a little early to play it but however we'll <laughs> <laughs> the Joe Mooney Summer School in Drumshambo in around 1991. Well, that's nearly it from us for this evening. Next week, we'll be talking to many of the people who knew Joe Burke and who played with him over the years, including some of those you heard tonight. So I hope you can join us then. We're going to leave you with the last word from Joe Burke and Jackie Small from that interview from 1989. Thanks a million for listening tonight. Gideon Tam Hiena and Tachtan Jehogan to Arawaii Payne agus Iowa. And you yourself, of course, are probably the single most influential accordion player ever to have entered our traditional music. And you've influenced a great number of younger players. Um, how do you feel about that yourself? Do you feel that it's a great weight on your shoulders? Jackie, uh, you have said that now. I didn't say that at all. But uh, <laughs> if, I've, uh, if I've had any good influence on younger players, I'm very happy. And uh, uh, it pleases me. And uh, I, uh, I hope it continues. And I hope that I hope that they all get very good. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Rolling Wave podcast. For rights reasons, the music here is shorter than in the original broadcasts. So if you'd like to hear the full versions, you can go to rte.ie forward slash radio one forward slash the rolling wave. And this programme was first broadcast on the 21st of March 2021. Till the next time, Gormina Magi, Agaslan.